Garrett, how you holding up over there in Texas, big guy? I'm feeling good, man. Uh, lockdown. Not able. Lockdown? Yeah, I don't want to go out in public. There's no... There's like It took me like 20 minutes to turn into the grocery store yesterday and then realize that it wasn't going to be happening and then leave <laughs> the grocery store parking lot. So I spent about 20 minutes in the parking lot. I didn't do anything. I didn't go in. I just... Drove so you, around the parking lot. you drove around the parking lot and you suffered the consequences of, of having to wait and waste 20 minutes yeah, of your time. It was awful. Yeah. And I didn't even need, I, I needed stamps. Like That just, happened to I, me at Costco the other day. I drove over there because I was like, oh, we're going to grab one of those rotisserie chickens because here's a pro tip. Costco, $5 rotisserie chickens. Hey, Amazing amount of chicken on there. You get like three pounds of just pure, delicious shredded chicken on that. Drove good. down, big mistake. Yeah, no. It's, I the the line call. was out the door. Now I didn't need anything else. I'm already, I'm already, I'm already squared away. It's sort of a running <laughs> gag between me and the boys. But uh, I, I did manage to get a hot dog. There were not long lines for hot dogs, which is insane really? in and of itself. Right, it's the first thing I'd go for. If you're gonna prep and you're gonna buy enough toilet paper to mummify like an entire school bus of children for Halloween. <laughs> you better have some hot dogs. You better have you some better pranks. You better get some hot dogs, and you better get some $1.50 uh, hot dog drink combos to, you know, make sure that your trip was worth it. I get the, I get one every time I go to Costco. That's smart. Do you do that, Gary? Uh, I don't have a Are Costco membership. you more of a membership. chicken bait guy? I don't have a Costco membership. I don't, I don't. Why? I just, uh, I don't have a Costco near me, and I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I, I didn't know that that was a thing. It's like, I, it's a little sensitive subject. I'm, no, no, I'm 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 fine. I'm Are familiar sure? with it. I, I've been with my friends, and I yeah. When I go in, I get a I get a pizza or a hot dog, That's a good one, or maybe okay. a pretzel. So you've had a taste of the good life. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna we'll find a way to get you some sort of a rough draft games uh, executive <laughs> business membership eventually when we have to buy insane amounts of office food. Pipe dreams, everybody. Welcome to Roll and Move, the Internet's podcast where we take a look at some of the weirder, stranger, more bizarre board games, card games, RPGs out there, and oh, we yeah. play them for you, and we uh, we break them down. We talk about what works, what doesn't work, and uh, I'm one of your first co-hosts and uh, one of the founders of Rough Draft Games, Thomas Schunkerberg, and with me here, as always, is... Garrett Lively. I'm so glad we got done with this huge RPG arc, uh, five episodes long, really focusing in on communism and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, capitalism and just the battle between those two. And we're just going to jump straight into the 1960s and play a game mm. called the propaganda game. Man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there anything, I mean, you, you have the, you're, you're all locked in. Everyone's scared. You're washing. You're probably listening to this while you're washing your hands. You're in the midst of mm-hmm. singing happy birthday two times while you're at the sink. <laughs> worrying about coronavirus and what better way to help stifle those fears than by stoking some cold war era politics with a, <laughs> uh, a little gym that we were able to dig up for you guys yeah. and it's a nice it's a nice little break from our rpg adventures we heard some people who really enjoyed that but we want to keep them a little bit special you know we don't want to do too many in a row uh you know even though we love playing those games but yeah. we want to we want to take it back to the classics. We, we got a we got a few more on tap, but you know, as as you're stocking up on the essentials, we have our essentials here on the podcast, and that is right. small, compact, bad, mm-hmm. or weird, or strange board games, and uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's what we got for you today. You might be noticing that we are one voice light today. Uh, <sighs> Jeff, unfortunately, did not make it. Did not make it. He he's, could not. He's in, he's in the. He's in. He's, he's in the gulag. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not. <laughs> it's not the. Uh, <laughs> he's done. He's done. He's, he's in the gulag. He's, he's gone. Silence. He's not getting out. Yeah. It's pretty rough. He's uh, he is under lockdown right now. From I was gonna say he's, he's not in the like the what's it called site zero or uh, what do they call yeah. the what do they call the area the first area the ground ground zero he's, yeah ground zero ground zero sorry he's yeah. not in ground zero but he's pretty close to it he's up in San yeah Fran. he's in San Fran we've had a rough of we, California's had a, a little bit of a rough time with this whole coronavirus thing I'm pretty sure old Jeff is wrapped in cellophane at this point he's in quarantine he's uh he's beating his hands against like these plastic tarps and there's lots of uh, government people looking at him and he's like saying <laughs> let me out let me out I was I was smoking a cigar and that's the reason I was coughing <laughs> They're not listening to him. No, Poor guy. No. Yeah. And, he, and he's got he's got a bad thing with spice. Whenever he has like the uh the paste salsa, he starts coughing. It's just a little too spicy for him. <laughs> the paste. 
99 cent salsa. Jeff gets a little bit of that on his tortilla chip. And he goes, oh. <laughs> yeah, didn't. I'm sorry, Jeff. We'll get you out of quarantine there soon. We just got to make sure that you're completely healthy so that you're not going to not going to spread the love, so to speak. But but as with all the other a-holes around the country, we're going to keep having fun, even though you guys can't. So uh, we're going to. That's right. Yeah. We're going to have a good time. Look. This is a good. This is a good time. If you're a gamer, if you're a board gamer, if you're oh, just yeah. a neat, if you're a loser, they're like, "Hey, <laughs> don't go outside. Keep everything in your room. Don't leave unless it's absolutely crucial." Mm-hmm. And all the cool kids out there are just like, "Uh, done. <laughs> I've been under quarantine my whole life, right. baby." Yeah, yeah. And the, the only <laughs> bad thing for me is I can't when I have friends over or when I'm playing playing games with my my roommates, my roommates, mm-hmm. my wife or my brother. Um, I, I can't stop him from eating Cheetos. I can't be like, hey, let's go grab a let's go grab a pizza down the street. We we have our food in here, so they're inevitably going to get their their dusty fingers all over my sweet mix, and uh, that's uh, that's not making me too happy. But other than that, you're right, mm-hmm. you're right. It's good. It's good to have. It's it's good to be a big board game collector. In the, uh, in yes, these days. and boy, boy, it's time to crank open that collection once again. And we do we have a treat for you guys. We're playing a game called Propaganda. This is uh, from the '60s, as we alluded to in our intro. Yeah. That uh, we are looking at a sort of a card game, sort of a social, not really a deduction game. A deduction of, you're basically trying to identify different pieces of propaganda as they are presented to you. Yeah, uh, and I believe the intent, intent here is to be like an educational game. Like it, it's intended mm-hmm. to use in the classroom and also to, to train you up as as the the red scare kind of emanates in, into Sort of a into critical thinker, yeah. yeah. Just to be able to break down the different uh, generalizations and pieces of propaganda that you might hear from all sides, which uh, I suppose is, you know, it's it's got its, uh, it's got its merits. But let's dig into the minds behind the game. It's been a while since we've gotten to take a look at the publishers and the designers. And, oh, uh, man, yeah. Let's do that. So the propaganda game was developed in 1966 by Woof and Proof Games. It's WFF? Yes. Woofen? WFF apostrophe N. Proof. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought that like the name was some sort of a uh, like a initialism, right? Like it stood for something, <laughs> but the apostrophe N makes me think it's, you know, it's an actual they're trying to say Woofen. Woofen proof. Woofen proof game. I don't know. I don't Maybe know. They had some sort did, of a dog. I, did you get? Did you get any clarification on that, or we're just we're just rolling? I have not found anything. Yeah. I have not found anything on that. I found a lot on the uh, the designer of the game, but I have not sure. found anything on the uh, name of the publishing. Well, company. I, I've got a little bit. So with my copy of the propaganda game, I have a 1960s era little flyer here that came with it. So I can Ooh. one subscribe to the newsletter for a dollar per year and. Uh, let's, well, I can get my first year for free, and after that, it's a dollar per year. I just have to mail in this this dollar nice, per year. It's not bad, right? I might, I might send good. it in just see see what happens. But uh, it, it it appears they they make a lot of educational games. They have um they have like a little image of two men, two th- you know the the thinking statue was that the thinker David or whoever? Yeah, the uh, the thinker. I think it was by Michelangelo. Michelangelo. They, kind of their emblem is two of those sitting over a chess table, looking down and, and pondering their next move. So they're they're games for the academics, games for the intellectuals that are uh, that are that are trying to break free of the sheeple, if you will. Oh, the thinker was a it's a bronze sculpture by yeah. Augustine Rodin. Oh, well, thank you. Rodin. Thank you. I, I I'm I certainly know Michelangelo is a avid listener and he would be very upset if we got that wrong so can't have that can't have it he's also a ninja turtle will kick your ass that's right that's right uh but here here's a list of some of the people that have worked on the board games for for wolf and proof tom we got layman e allen the professor of law and research social scientist at university of michigan peter kugel electronic systems laboratory massachusetts mit i'm not gonna say the whole thing Martin Owens, the MITRE Corporation, Harry D. Ruderman, Chairman of Mathematics at Hunter College High School, Bruce Hicks, a science laboratory professor at University of Illinois. We got a professor of philosophy at Kent State. We got an actor and lecturer at NBC Paramount Studios. So did you know Lauren Green was on the original Battlestar Galactica? He designed this game. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. But so we got a bunch of uh, academics. We got a bunch of professors. We got a bunch of science scientists. Scientists. And we got Lauren Green. So you know, there's an actor and guy on NBC. That's basically. So we got a bunch of eggheads 
and some guy who likes to prance around on stage. Well, I, I, th- I would assume he's the sex appeal. He's the one that's uh, getting people to buy this game because Lord yeah. Green says it's cool. You know it is, and and he was he was in with the nerds at this point because he's on that's Battlestar true. Galactica. That's very true. That's right. that's about all I know about Wolf and Proof. Uh, very very much a dream team for the intellectuals. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to create educational games, I couldn't think of a uh, a better squad uh, to sort of get the games done. Yeah, and, and sorry, I do I do have one more note I, I forgot to mention. So I I, I kind of said they're academic games or classroom games. They're actually designed specifically to be played in uh, academic national academic Olympics. So things like where you have like competitions at high schools where you're you know, the, the, the very athletes. interesting, very interesting that you bring that up, Garrett, because I was going to go into talking a little bit about Robert W. Allen, Let's hear it. who who actually so this is one of the chief designers. He's one of the first ones who's credited on Board Game Geek with creating this game. And, and I, I would assume the actual designer of this game, uh, Lauren mm-hmm. Green, was like, hey, man, let's let's make it red because right now Russia is a big thing. But, right. but I, I would assume Robert Allen has the, the writing down here. Mm. <laughs> so Robert Robert Allen is a, uh, a board game designer who has done a lot of other titles with this production company. He did uh, Probability, a lot of mathematics sort of based games like you were talking about, the ones that go inside the uh, mathematic challenges, the tournaments. And then he went on to actually found the National Academic Games Project. Next. So here's a little bit from the. Uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't need the abbreviation. Here. Thank you for giving it to me. I'll read a little bit of the Wikipedia page for it. Says so the uh, National Academic Games Project is the oldest continuously running program involving academic games competitions in the United States. The earliest tournaments took place in the late 1960s on the campus of Nova High School in Davie, Florida. Ooh. Nova was the beta test site for Propaganda and other games that were published by this company. Uh, today, participating schools include Hancock County, West Virginia's Weir and Oakland Middle School and High Schools, South Park, Pennsylvania Schools, okay. Suncrest Middle Schools. So this is still an it's, organization that meets today. And it's spread across. It's not just like a local community thing that just stayed mm-hmm. put in Florida. It's, it's, it's spread. Yeah, so very much an academic bull sort of organization that was set up by this uh, the founder of this company. So he cares a lot about education. In fact, on the website, if you look at the Wayback Machine, you have to hop on the Wayback Machine, or at least I had to, to take a look at the academicgames.org website. This guy's been on The Tonight Show multiple times. It looks like he was a friend of Johnny Carson. He would go on there and talk about like his educational games. This was This is sort of a time for our listeners... The Tonight Show used to have, like, really random guests. It wasn't always, like, singers and celebrities and just uh, popcorn pop culture. It was, like, they'd have, like, on, you know, escape artists. Or they would have on (laughs) children's educators and science people. I think the only thing that's really lasted from that is, like, the the zoologist or the the animal handlers that still come on the late late night shows. Other than that, it's just movie stars and, and artists. You're right. It's just movie stars and general crap. It's become a, rather than a show that tries to sort of entertain by more of an eclectic sense, it's just what's popular and we'll yeah. just put that in front of people. But anyways, uh, this guy used to frequent the show pretty uh, pretty often. Okay. And he was he's done radio tours and other stuff like that where he was a pretty well-known guy. And it, clearly education mattered a lot to him. And we're going to try and keep that in mind as we sort of talk about his, uh, his game today. Yeah. Uh, so with that, real, being real said, quick before, and I, I'm, I'm kind of going out of order here, but I, I do want to read, I found this and I haven't told you, told you Tom, but I did find one review on board game geek that I want to go ahead and jump to because it, it pertains to what we're talking about now. So, oh, sure. Go ahead. So, and I, I, I did show you this website there, the, the propaganda game has been turned into a classroom tool online. So you can actually play this game online. If you go to the, the propaganda game.org mm-hmm. and, so one of the reviews under Board Game Geek is uh, is a gentleman for the Accelerated Learning Foundation. He went ahead and gave this game a ten and uh, posted a review on Board Game Geek and said, "We at Accelerated Learning Foundation have just released an online version of the Propaganda Game at propagandagame.org. We own the intellectual property rights to the board game. Check us out. We have a little more than three thousand examples in our database for the single player game. More importantly, you can become an author and submit your own examples to our database for other players to see in game. Customize the types of propaganda examples you want to see." in game before playing 
So I think I think it's just funny that that's uh, that's the first time I've ever seen a direct advertising in Board Game Geek uh, review mm-hmm. page. <laughs> so so uh, it, is but, this accelerated guy the same guy who was responsible for accelerated reader? Uh, you know I'm not sure, but if if so, I do have a bone to pick with him because of the how much weight he gave to the Lord of the Rings. I don't think there's enough. I, yeah. I should have gotten way more points for that, but I'm not Agreed. sure. But but uh, just to just to continue with this like this learning foundation project is, is, is still ongoing throughout the country and this game is still being used. That's great. Um, okay. So we found this gym from the sixties. It turns out to be that it's actually a still very much relevant, relevant game, uh, to sort of you're, I know you're getting ready to talk about the rules. We're going to talk about what's in the box and, uh, it's been so long since we've done this. Which do we do first? We do rules or box? We do box first, then rules, right? Box first, then rules. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure. It's been, we've been playing a lot of RPGs, folks. You're gonna sounds, have to sounds like a little bit of rationalization a there. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead, Garrett. Peel off that little that little tag. Open that little tuck fold box mm-hmm. and tell me. What's in that box? Well, first, and we haven't—I don't think we've talked about the box so much since uh, since we had those those cardinal games in the tens. This is a mm-hmm. nice nice plastic, and we'll give a little knock here. This is the box Ooh. here. It's a nice red red plastic box that it contains everything. It flips open so it doesn't come apart. It's got a hinge on the backside. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so it's a it's it's actually a nice little box. I actually like the like it aesthetically. Produced uh, in the sixties, right? Yeah, nineteen sixty six. Probably made version. with asbestos. It's probably, it's probably. I'm gonna have probably to... got lead in there, buddy. You are gonna die. <laughs> probably. Uh, but yeah, I found this half price books. Um, just bought it based on the cover. There are no. It's you know, it's not like a the board games of today where there's information on the back. There's it's just, it's just a blank red box and it says the propaganda game and that's it. And you're just gonna have to figure out what's inside once you buy it. So oh, yeah. So I opened up the box. I found out inside uh, the first thing I need to talk about is this rule book. And I, I showed it to Tom and he was a little leery of playing this game because I said, Hey, here's the rule book. It is 66 pages. So, I'm sorry. 71 pages. I flipped the wrong page. <laughs> <laughs> 71 pages here, this rule book. And uh, that, that got a yikes from Tom, but we'll, we'll come back to the rules a little bit later and I'll kind of discuss what's in there. So we have a nice thick, this is basically a manual, right? This is like right. a uh, Boy Scout it's, manual. You yeah. You're, or you're like your Nissan manual, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you get when you buy a car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I kind of like the size of it. It's you can put it in your back pocket, carry it around for you. And in fact, they encourage you to use this, use these techniques in everyday life. So maybe that's what they're going for. I don't know. We have two decks of example cards, and these have scenarios on them that you're going to be analyzing, uh, and we'll come back to those later. You have white, you have white example cards, and you have orange example cards, and that's just you can play the white game or the orange game. There's no real difference in difficulty there. Right. It's just for more playability. Mm-hmm. Right? We have four character little plastic chips. They're just circular discs in colors red, green, blue, and white. And then you have your player selection dial. This is the technique card, and so you choose techniques numbered from 1 to 10, or you can choose a 0 if you don't think any propagandist techniques were used. And then on the back of the technique card, it's kind of a little reference guide. It just lists all the possible forms of uh, propaganda that could possibly be used in the game. And then uh, finally, there is this, this the strangest, I guess this this would be the board in the board game. This is the strangest one I've ever seen. This um this material is like a whoopee cushion. If you're if you've held one of those, I don't know how to describe it. It's like it's just like yeah, red, it's like that stretchy rubbery plastic. Got a, it's got a little thin of powder, thin layer of powder. Yeah, yeah, on yeah it. exactly. It's it's oh, like God. literally if you took a whoopee cushion and cut it so it was like this pocket of air and just laid it flat. That's what this is. And I don't like that. That doesn't make me feel comfortable at all. No, no, it's weird. <laughs> and it's, it's got, I mean, it, I'm sure it's been folded for about 50 years now and the creases don't come out. So that's the chips were kind of sliding around, but this is, this is basically your, this is basically the scoreboard is all you use it for. So you put your little discs on the, on the board and you just track your score on there and you move up and it tells you what kind of, it's called the clear thinking chart. It just tells you how good of a thinker you are as you progress throughout the game. So that was that material really cheaper than like cardboard or, or something like that. I don't understand why that the, the it's all, such a weird specific thing to go for. Like, 
not cut sure. open balloon. I'm not <laughs> sure. Yeah. It, the only other thing I can think of is like they could have gone with paper, um, and get got kind of the same, like slim profile that fits in this nice neat box everything i mean this box is basically completely full like it it you have to pack it in perfectly to get it to close so if they went with cardboard they they would have had to get a little bit bigger box but obviously i mean i i don't know what they're i mean i'm not sure how much planning went into all that i'm sure they designed the box based on the contents and not vice versa so for all these geniuses <laughs> who are working on this game they can't figure out a little bit of box geometry i don't know i don't, I don't know, know buddy but that is uh that's what's in here and I, I i think i forgot to mention but the overall color palette of this game is just red which i, I think is probably important in this day and age we've got red Especially, rule book yeah red rule red book scare. red box red playmat orangish red cards mm-hmm. and then uh orange cards and white cards so it yeah. is a lot of commentary a lot of, a lot to of sort red. of yeah, <laughs> be able to match up with the McCarthyism and sort of the Red Scare that was occurring uh, right right after, like, in the 1950s. and st- I think it was still going on in the 60s a tiny bit. Um, it was cooling off at that point, but sure. probably still fresh in the uh, social atmosphere and in the conversations at the time. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. So how do we how do we play this game, Garrett? We're we're dissecting propaganda. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you've played Say Anything, this game actually has a lot of similarities, and obviously Say Anything came a lot later. But basically, you read a scenario off the example card, and then everybody votes on their technique card which propaganda technique they think is being used. And so what's kind of interesting is there's not. There, there is a quote-unquote correct answer that the authors think falls in line with this form of propaganda. However, the winning technique is the one that the majority of players choose. So, for example, if you, if Thomas and I said that we think uh, this person's oversimplifying things or or making things, they're they're just saying there's no way there's no way that the cause of this was was a there there can only be you know cause. Or there can only be cause A, no way there's cause B. I, I think a good place to sort of start with this, Garrett, is to sort of talk about what the game means by propaganda. I think that's going to help this, the listener sort of understand what exactly we're talking about when we keep saying the word propaganda, what the cards are saying. So to sort of dive into that and just clarify that a little bit. So this game, when it's speaking of propaganda, it's talking about these things called, that we might call them today, logical fallacies, right? Sure. These are... Certain sweeping generalizations, that's one type, that you might make about an idea or something where you're not thinking logically, rather you're making your decisions strictly based off of emotional reaction or general flaws in your logic rather than trying to think as clearly as possible. So, for example, you might have a response or you might have, a uh, in this game, a situation that is brought up where it's like, oh, I can't. Uh, I can't work for this guy. He's uh he's he's a he's an Inuit. He's a he's a Spaniard, and we all know that you can't trust a Spaniard or something like that, right? Sure. So that is just for uh for uh, example purposes, and that line of logic is driven by emotion, and therefore this game would say that that falls into the propaganda category because it's sort of dehumaniz- dehumanizing. It's sure. it's an emotional based decision, and so you would try and guess the category of propaganda or logical fallacy that the game wants you to try and guess for each of the statements that are made. So there are a couple of different categories that you can play with. In fact, there are so many that it breaks up the game into six different, like, decks, right? You can play with a set of eight logical fallacies or the next eight logical fallacies or the next eight logical fallacies. The game covers quite a bit of logical fallacies slash propaganda pieces. And we played with, like, the A set. So why don't we go through what each of the logical fallacies slash pieces of propaganda yeah. were? And, I, and, and, I, and I'll just say the, the book also starts, that was a good point, Tom. They, they start with the definition of propaganda. So they say it comes from the Latin phrase congregatio de propaganda fide, or congregation of the propagation of faith, a committee mm-hmm. formed early in the Roman Catholic Church whose function is to aid the propagation or spread of the church doctrine throughout the world. So that's kind of mm-hmm. where that started with. And they talk about how it uh, plays into influencing people to believe certain ideas or follow certain courses of action. So, yes. Yeah. Um, and then going into whether it's inadvertent or not inadvertent. So, yes. Right. 
Uh, so sorry, you're saying jump into the A section? Yeah, let's go through the uh, the different types of propaganda that were at least in our round, and okay. we can and then we can sort of talk about the sure. uh, the way that the cards. Are so written. the so the six different decks you mentioned were techniques of self deception, which we used, and there's also language irrelevance, exploitation, uh, techniques of form, and techniques of maneuver. So we're just looking at the techniques of self deception today, and I, I think it gave us a good feel for the overall feel of the game. Um, but so we were looking at prejudice, academic detachment, drawing the line, not drawing the line, conservatism, radicalism, or moderatism, that's all one, rationalization, mm-hmm. wishful thinking, tabloid thinking, casual oversimplification, and inconceivability. And so what the book does, they define all 10 of those techniques. And then on a card, you look at the situation and you vote for which of those techniques you think the the person speaking or the example is is executing Mm -hmm. um so so to go back to kind of how the scoring works it's based on what the majority of players pick as the technique so let's read an example so we have an example here um so if somebody said if a fan was in the crowd and he yelled you can't expect a basketball team to get all the breaks all the time uh you you we would go through and we would vote which form which technique of propaganda we think that is so i would say that's why i think propaganda is such a confusing term for this game because we usually think that propaganda is like the it's the posters that we see in history books from like world war ii Mm -hmm. of right uh, of like wartime stuff but but really almost all the examples in this game when it's talking about propaganda is just stuff that you would overhear and maybe a conversation, or it's a situation in which like two people are talking. So the word propaganda is being used very liberally here, very widespread to sort of, it, it can mean anything, any interaction socially, as long as you're using sort of one of those logical fallacies, oversimplification, sure. drawing the line, not drawing the line, it categorizes as propaganda. So that's why right. you'll hear general exa- like examples of people talking about basketball. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. So, so the way this would work, it's like, let's say I claim this is prejudice because, you know, it doesn't say it in the card, but I, I think it's prejudice against our basketball team because we're all uh, six foot and this guy doesn't like six, six foot people. And Thomas is like, no, they, they say nothing about it, it being prejudice. There's nothing about people being six foot there. I think that's uh, just rationalization. And Jeff is like, no, nah, I think Garrett's on to something here. That's definitely, that's definitely a little bit of prejudice. So Jeff would vote prejudice. Mm-hmm. I vote prejudice. We're in the majority. We would win that round. Unless Jeff is like, or I'm sorry, Thomas is like, you know what? I got a bold challenge here. Let's, let's resort to the book and see what the author thought. And so what you do in that point, you go, you check the scenario in the book and you see what the author says. So in this case, the author says that was rationalization. No, you don't expect a team to get the breaks half the time. Probably, uh, sorry, you would expect the team to get the breaks half the time. Probably the fan is covering up for a lack of skill on the part of the players or coach or both. So in this case, Thomas would make a bold challenge. He would actually flip it on its script. He would get the points. We would not get the points. Um, however, if he doesn't, cha- or if he's incorrect in this challenge, he loses points. So there's a little risk reward in challenging. Otherwise, the majority wins. So if the majority wins, they all move up on the chart, uh, and the minority just stays put. Or you can make a challenge if you're in the minority and uh, get some boosted points. So that's that's right. basically the gist of the game. You go through the entire deck, or the first pl- person to reach 20 points. And this also reveals why the rule book is 71 pages. Yes. Because every single situation and scenario in question has the answer inside the rule book as well as an attempted explanation of the answer. Exactly. So that's why most of the length of the rule book is actually not rules. It's actually just (laughs) answers that you can look up. Yeah. So so like, and as we said, there's six different sections with six different techniques first they define those techniques and then they give all these examples and then rationalization behind why they the author thinks this is this form of propaganda being used mm-hmm. in this example so yeah so th- that is that is why we have a small novel in our hands for a rule book which you know at first when i picked this up i you know i, I bought it blind so i didn't see the rule book I, I was very turned off as you as you guys know as the avid listener knows i'm not a fan of long rule books but this, can't do this, it this can't. wasn't too bad it was it's mostly a reference guide Right. 
Um, but anyways, that's sort of the gist of the game is going through and trying to figure out which logical fallacy, which category of propaganda each of the statements is. First one to 20 wins, and you have these funny little names for each category. It's almost like... It's almost like those uh, little love squeeze machines and yeah. like bars where like yeah, wet it's like you're a you're a wet fish if you're like a zero and then you like go up to like hot stud and then uh, yeah. sex machine is like all the way at the top. What I, what I think so, is funny is it it's, it doesn't have like any positive intonation until you get up into like eighteen points maybe maybe even nineteen right. points because you know at first you you start off as a as a zero and then you go up to the cracker jack prize a whippity dip. A propagandist puppet. Uh, we're up at nine. You go to mother-in-law mentality, which I think is a little bit prejudiced at ten, and then you get up to you're you're still at a you're still at a February 29th thinker all the way up at 14 points, and then once you get to 18 points, you're a semi-clear thinker, then a quasi-clear thinker at 19, and then you're finally a clear thinker if you get up to 20 points. So it's uh, right. it takes a it takes a little shot at the player there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a nice and little dingling section. I think too. the game. The game is definitely very educational. I think that uh, it's trying to do... I think what it's trying to do is pretty noble. It's trying to educate people on ways in which we make misconceptions and uh, certain logical fallacies that it were very... You know, it's very tempting to uh, to sort of make. Uh, sweeping generalizations and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that uh, some of the flaws in the game come from... It, it, I'm not sure if they're flaws or if it's part of the challenge, right? Because there has to be some sort of difficulty with determining which of the methods of propaganda are being used. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a game. But part of me is a little frustrated at times because you're just like, you know, you see elements of both used in the same situation. And you're like, I'm not sure which one they want me to do. I'm not sure which one is the right answer. But that's what the whole game is based off of. Yeah, is that- and I'll give them credit here because I think they kind of addressed it by making this a majority rules game and then give you, giving you kind of the, the risk-reward option of challenging that and just mm-hmm. seeing what the authors say. So if you, if you feel like they are writing this example specifically with something in mind... You, you can make the challenge, but otherwise, you know, as time goes on, if everybody's in agreement that this is not prejudiced or there was prejudice at this time or and it's no longer or whatever, you know, it, it's been 50 mm-hmm. years. I'll, I'll give you guys a good example of sort of one of the one of the different categories that could or one of the different questions or pieces from the card that could fit into multiple categories of propaganda as listed in the game. So uh, one of the cards says, uh, read the one about the. The lady who doesn't give published, Garrett. Do you have that one on you? So this is uh, one of the examples, and it's just a quote. It says, no publisher will accept my manuscript. It's just because I'm a woman, I guess. Right. So uh, the debate would essentially begin, and you would have to figure out which of the categories of propaganda or logical fallacy does that fall under. And so Garrett and I were sort of at an impasse. I thought that it, well, this could be prejudice because she is under the assumption that those, that the, uh, individuals in control are all men right and which is you know you wouldn't want to go into a line of work thinking that uh you know generalizing the uh, gender or the sex of the all the individuals who work in that field uh and garrett said that it was i thought it was rationalization i think she's just just uh just ignoring the fact that maybe her work could be bad and just saying you know what because they're prejudiced i'm i'm being uh i'm being I'm being victimized here. I'm, I'm being victimized. Right. Exactly. So I would you say that now Garrett was correct in this instance, and it's actually one of the, I think this might be the reason that he won the game. Um, it might have been a different card. I was one behind him the entire time. I fell behind and I never caught up. Yeah. But would you say that I'm wrong in my answer? No, and 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 I think this is kind of where the, the game is, is are, are you playing to what, and maybe we would see this more with a, a larger group, but are you playing to what the majority thinks or are you playing to what you think the author thinks? And so I, I think specifically we had seen other examples where they don't mention that information. And yeah, she could have been thinking that, but she doesn't say that she's thinking that. And so you're, you're kind of having to make that assumption and, and take another step. And I think the authors right. were very direct and they're like, this is all the information you're, you have. And if you assume anything else, you're, you're making, you're jumping to a conclusion. So 
Um, and it does sort of leave room for that open debate. Like yeah, if yeah, there absolutely. was more people, maybe I could have I could have convinced the crowd to go with me. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And and I think uh, I think a little bit of that was lost. I think this game would have played a lot better with three or four players, or I, definitely four players than than with two players because you're not just going up against the book definition. So because you you get that little bit of play with the majority, just deciding what they think, and 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 that also shows you how how times have changed and just what the difference would be between the 60s and what it would be now right um so this game i feel like what it really is striving to do is to sort of get the conversation going on uh what logical fallacies are and what uh pieces how we make the decisions uh and that we make and that we live our lives by as i think it's trying to get the conversation started um but sort of a critique on my part is that I'm not sure if I if I prefer games that get the conversation started or if I prefer games that have like I feel like certain games have a certain edge to them and they have a very obvious take that they uh yeah. the people are trying to administer within the game itself or within the uh piece of art itself which I find a little I find it a little bit more enjoyable to play those games but at the same time I do think a game like this is very valuable for you know to sort of it's it's a very good entry into the what is the information that I am being given or fed at all times and is there a certain way that it's being delivered that's affecting my ability to assess what is being said to me and how I'm receiving it. Yeah, I think it's uh, useful and I, and I think they tried to take that neutral approach, but even sometimes they got caught up in the and in in having an edge or, or like having a bias. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see if I can find an example here. Um, uh okay so here's an example let me find a20 so a20 says uh sorry wrong joke a20 says if he's a member of the grange i want nothing to do with him you can't trust one of those people okay and then in the explanation a20 this is clearly prejudice and here's here's the book's definition speaker is definitely prejudiced against members of the grange and i so i i think even that's an over, oversimplification i mean we i mean i don't know what the grange is specifically right we don't know what the grange is what if what if they're a, crazy a two-member cult group? What who if literally group? eat people all right what if we know everything about them yeah so it's like yeah it's there are certain and I don't know if the game is intentionally trying to do this, but you sort of start to realize that logical fallacies are inescapable. Yeah. Absolutely. That's sort of like my takeaway as far as like even life goes is that <laughs> one of the reasons that we use logical fallacies, we use generalizations and we use uh, stereotypes even to a certain extent is because it makes life easier. Sorry. Helps but it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it saves time to be able to go, hey, uh, did the garbage man come yet? Uh, because I, I don't know, I, I have an insane majority of probably sanitation workers are most likely men. Yeah. Uh, and if you wanted to be correct and you wanted to open it up to maybe that five or six or possibly even 10% of women who work in the sanitation department, you would say garbage person. Sure. Right. But it's, it's a shortcut. It's a mental shortcut that we take, whether or not you think that it's uh, damaging to society or the greater interactions of individuals is sort of up to you. And you yeah. know, it's up to that discussion. Yeah, I, I, and I appreciate it. I mean, I, I think you do need to think critically of that and be able to recognize those things. But I, I, I also, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would agree with you. And I, and I will also say that I don't think this game necessarily toots, uh, people that, that do those things. It's, it's just helping you recognize when people are doing it. So I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's slapping you on the wrist and maybe it is, but I, I think for the most part, it's, I did, I'll be honest. I didn't read all 71 pages of this yeah. book, but I think for the most part, it's just trying to help you see when somebody mm-hmm. makes the statement, you know, here's kind of what they're doing, and and maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, maybe their maybe their generalization is correct, but uh, you know, it, mm-hmm. it isn't always. So, and I think that that had to be a major conversation in the 1960s because of like, you know, you're just coming off the Red Scare, and you're, you know, you're trying to what, what when was the Red Scare? We keep saying coming off the Red Scare, but I need to I need to fact check this. I, I believe uh, that was in the, in the 60s actually. Let's, it let's do a little live fact checking, but a little. I, the Red Scare was a star. Um, let's see. Don't care. Don't care. Red Scare Nin- is nineteen twenty. First Red Scare was nineteen seventeen to nineteen twenty, and then Cold War with concerns about communism. So the Red Scare was in the twenties, but the fallout 
was intensified in the 50s, according to History.com. Got it. Um, and post-World War II, after the uh, the world. So you're, you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, you really do. I think it's worthwhile to have sort of that educational service where you're like, well, let's think about the methods of communication and how, how we're affecting people and how we are, uh, how the language that we're using and is that in and of itself more persuasive than the ideas that are being communicated. Those are questions that I think are worth asking. But here is the kicker for me, and this is going to take me into my review, Garrett. Let's do it. Was it fun? <laughs> that's, that's what we're looking for here, right? We want to know if stuff's fun, even if it's bad, even if right. it's weird, even Was if it it's fun? poorly written. And I'm going to say no. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have any fun doing this. I mean, yeah, it was like, oh, cool. It's like a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a mental exercise. Can you identify the... Can you identify the method of uh, propaganda slash logical fallacy that's being used? Um, I, I This game falls into the trap of... Actually, it doesn't even fall into the trap of most educational games that we saw in like the 80s and 90s where they try to... You know, Reader Rabbit, if you played those games back when you were a kid, <laughs> you're doing like simple edition. You answer the question light right it says two plus four is what you say six and then you get a cool animation of like reader rabbit eating a carrot or something like that that with your answer and there's like a little bit of uh visual fireworks or stimuli to reward you for getting the right answer here sure the best you get is like moving forward on this board it's not fun to take apart these these sentences they're not outrageous there's no envelope pushing there's nothing that's like that's spurring a a fun conversation in the room. It's just like, well, what do we think this person meant? If anything, all this game is going to do is, I mean, it promotes a group discussion, which is nice. And I guess that that's beneficial for yeah. a larger conversation. But this game's not fun. Yeah, I This is one of the few times that, you know, we're not really laughing and having a good time while, while playing the game. It's more like, oh, could you repeat this definition? Okay. <laughs> Yeah. It feels like I you know what I'm not surprised this guy created the first academic bowl essentially because the shit's lame, bro. It's lame. <laughs> it's dumb. And it's game. and I'm just like, yeah, it's, this is not fun. We're not having fun. You can give me as many Jeopardy buzzers as you like for me to answer my math questions with because I get the cool buzz sound, but still I'm doing math. Yeah. And for this one, I'm still studying linguistics yeah. and I'm studying methods of communication. You're going to have to be more creative if you want to take these important social questions and turn them into game form. You got to make it fun. You got to make it you got to make it interesting. And that's why I don't know. I don't think I could give this game more than as nice it is as it is and is uh you know, important as it is and especially at the time. Uh no, I'm not giving this more than a uh more than a 4. Okay. Like it's it's just there. It's yeah. not fun it's just feels like homework <laughs> <laughs> i agree and i don't do homework baby uh, I, that's 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 why we're here doing this yeah. podcast for no money that's right <laughs> uh it's, it's a that's a four four from tom right mm-hmm. okay um i agree with with a lot of that um a couple of other things i i would like to point out i i think it's interesting to kind of this is kind of like a time capsule it's it's kind of cool to look back and see the the like they, they talk about you know communism and socialism and and marx marxism and a lot of that stuff and there's a lot of cards that deal with that but I, in the I, in the instruction booklet doesn't it say that like it's tempting to generalize marx as like a right. complete radical but he actually has some really interesting ideas <laughs> it like goes yeah. on to yeah, yeah, give, a, give a brief little defense of karl marx yeah it's like oh funny. you don't know who marx was he was that philosopher who became impatient and irritable and it's much easier to remember Marx in this simple fashion than to remember him as a man of many interesting and controversial <laughs> facets of character and conviction. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, it throws that in there. And I, I think that's that's cool to see. I, I like the feel of this game with the, the, the whoopee cushion game board aside. Um, I like the it's got a nice tactile feel to it. But you're right about the game. It's it's not a fun game. It's a it's a decently humorous exercise for five or six minutes. But as far as the game goes um i will say it would have been a little bit better with three or four people 
it would have been better Probably, to have yeah. that group dynamic. But then you're just shifting the onus onto the onto the players. You're still not opening up the game that much more. You're just you're just had you're just you're just basically saying, and this is what we like. We like to argue with each other and we like to debate, <laughs> and that's why it would be more fun. So I, I I'm not sure if I mean I'll give the game a little bit of credit because that's clearly what it's going for, but it's not it's not self contained, right? So um, I, I I'm actually against my better judgment saying this would have this would have done well to take a page out of cards against humanity's book and like you said push the envelope a little bit more be a little bit more radical be a little bit more controversial in some of the claims it makes instead of the milk toast uh mm-hmm. my basketball team gets all the all the call, or your basketball team gets all the calls all the time you know it's just it's just not that controversial um so right. I think I think it would have been uh, more interesting to see some of those things, and, and not to necessarily take a stance on it, but just to mm-hmm. to throw it out there and have have the players debate and decide on that. So, which is de- yeah, it's definitely going to be tough for the '60s. It's almost like it's it's in the game gets points because it's interesting for being made in the '60s during like you know just after the Red Scare, and mm-hmm. that's that's why the conversation needs to be had. So it has that going for it, but it's also a victim of the. I would say the of the times when it comes to like the contents of the cards and how uninteresting they are. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's so it's not applicable yeah. to a crowd today who would play this game for fun. So it did not age well. Uh, that being said, I I I think I have to give it credit for its intent as an educational game, and I think for the most part it pretty much achieves that. Um, so I'm, I'm right about with you as far as the fun fun skills go. If it were just a game, if it weren't intended to be so educational, I'd be like to an F3 or something like that with the educational aspect in there. I'm pulling it up a little bit. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go four and a half, four and a half, uh, for me. four and a half. Right. Okay. And then we have Jeff. Yeah. Old uh, Jeff. Now I've been, uh, I've been, you know, he, he was calling me earlier today and I was telling him about this game that we were going to be playing. And he was, he wasn't really listening. He was just screaming, please help me get me out of here. But you know, <laughs> I, he was he was communicating in a lot of logical fallacies, you know. He was like, "You can't do this to me, right?" You know, which is sort of like you know drawing a line. He said, you know, "He I said, I think he said, if you, you don't save me, you're not my friend." Yeah, yeah, I think that's. And it. I'm just like, well, Jeff, it's not one or the other, you know. You're you're this is this is a black and white logical fallacy that you're making here, as far as like whether or not I can still care about you. But also leave you to rot inside of the uh, inside made, the hazmat. You made zone. poor decisions, bud. I'm sorry. <laughs> you gotta learn. You gotta, and you're not gonna learn unless I teach you. So, and so you know, after I taught, after I said that, you know, he started screaming, and I, I'm pretty sure he said, like, he said, he was like, eight, eight. I think it was an eight. There was like yeah, a yeah. I think I, I think I heard that eight. too. Yeah. I, I, I in fact I didn't even realize it could have been something else. I was like, oh, he he just gave this game an eight. Uh, <laughs> over he just looked at it and immediately diagnosed the situation. He's like, I'd give that game an eight. I don't even need to play it. Uh, you really drug out that eight when you really think about it. It's like you know he made that last for like you know a solid ten seconds <laughs> as as he was like carted away, yeah. which was pretty nice um well that brings the rough draft boys average to a lovely five and a half uh the board game geek average six and a half not too far off Mm -hmm. um and i I did read one review there's a handful of other reviews um most people saying they found it in the garage sales the only reason people like this game is because it's an old little little time capsule of of the 60s and that's pretty much what all the reviews say there is one review i'll read from sarah bowler in grand rapids michigan Uh, she gave this game a nine she says this is a great game for finding fault in a person's debate for the last two years my team is placed in the top two in the state only missing first place once by a mix-up and one point so uh so she's using this game for its intended purposes so there you go this game this game had its intended impact i'm pretty excited to be educational and, uh, and if you guys would love to learn something, maybe not about logical fallacies, but about rough draft games, our little company, this is the perfect time to segue out of the episode here, nice and fluidly. Uh, <laughs> you can hit us up at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. We would love to hear you guys. Tell us all about us. If you Maybe, maybe you would like to teach us about something other than... Uh, uh, Cold War propaganda. We'd be very open to uh, to learning pretty much anything as long as it can fit inside 120 characters. Unless it's been that's been raised. I can't quite remember the policies <laughs> on Twitter. But anyways, uh, you can absolutely reach out to us there, and we are more than happy to talk to you guys 
Uh, where else can they hit us up, Gare? Uh, they can also send us an email. If uh, Maybe you're a little bit, uh, I don't know, ashamed of your beliefs or your convictions. Maybe you're a, you're an outright communist and you want to send us an email. That's fine. I, we accept all emails. Just send us yeah. send us an email, refdraftgames at gmail.com. We'll read mm-hmm. it. We'll reply. I, I promise. We're, we're really there will not be a that. blind carbon copy sent to the... Uh, <laughs> Sent to the Fed. Sent to the GOP. No, that's right. <laughs> um, and lastly, if you want to see some of the games that we are working on, uh, specifically All Rise, and you want to see some of our other episodes of Roll and Move, you can go to our website, roughdraftgames.com, and you can check those out there. We have a Kickstarter page or a preview of the Kickstarter page that we are currently working on. It's going to be up on the website soon. Uh, We have some wonderful Kickstarter graphic stuff that we're putting together of all the stretch goals. Uh, All that stuff is coming into development, and we're going to be posting that on our website first so everybody can get a look of what is going to be inside of this courtroom-based storytelling game that we're putting together for you guys. And if you want to check that out, go to roughdraftgames.com. And lastly but not leastly, I have two special requests. While you're there, why don't you sign up for that Big email list. It's up at the top. It's one of the first things that you can see uh, on the uh, on our homepage there as you're scrolling down. You can see that you can sign up for an email list that's just going to allow you to stay posted when this game goes live. We are trying to cultivate an army. We are trying to cultivate a group of people who can help make this game happen, and we desperately want you on that team. We need you on that team. We w- What's that Jack Nicholson line? You want me on that wall. We, you need me on that wall. And we will not question the person who provides the blanket of security that we sleep under, uh, a.k.a. our potential Kickstarter backers. So uh, if you guys want to jump on that email list, we would greatly appreciate that. And to those of you who have rated our podcast five stars on iTunes, that includes the students who have done so because I have forced them to. Give them an A, right? Uh, you said, that, hey, man, hey, that's right. Ian, you're getting the A, buddy. Checks in the mail. Uh, we thank you guys, but if you have not done so, if you, if maybe you are inspired by my students who, these young future leaders, these, uh, these wonderful denizens of, uh, of America, if that has given you hope, why don't you join the crew? Give us five stars on iTunes. It helps people find the show. It helps the, with the algorithm stuff. And, uh, it really helps us, helps us out. And eventually it's going to get us even more support for our, uh, board game. Hopefully when it, when it starts to get launched later this year. Uh, anything else, Gare? No, no, Tom. Uh, you're gonna have to help me with this. I, I think we're around the 50-minute uh, mark here. Another minute or two on her. I mean, it's we're already at 50. What's the difference between 50 minutes and 51 minutes? You know. That's a logical fallacy, Garrett. I'm no. not gonna let you keep these people from their lovely day. Well, I mean, then again, they're not gonna be going outside or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Well, everybody, stay inside, stay safe, uh, wash your hands, and uh, play lots of board games. And also. Do all the things we just said. Tweet us, email us, and uh, subscribe to our email list at our website, guys. We'll see you all next time.